Okay. I think I have 33 minutes charge. Ready to listen fast? I'll talk fast. This is, uh, we are in uh, Luke chapter 21 this morning, if you have your Bibles. The culture, the society we are living in, uh, newsflash, in case uh, you uh, haven't been paying attention, is changing. The views on morality in our country is changing and adjusting at, I believe, an unprecedented pace. In the last 10 years, the very notion of right and wrong is now being discarded by large majority of our culture. Here's what leading Christian thinker Al Mohler said. Modern secularists simply declare wrong as being right and right as being wrong. They're, they're just coming at us and saying, I'm sorry, but everything you thought was wrong, we're saying, no, that's right now. And all the things you said were right, we're declaring, no, that's wrong. Russian writer Dachoevsky said it well. Listen closely. When God is dead, anything is permissible. When God is out of the society and he's dead, as far as large segments of the culture are concerned, anything is permissible. Which means this following Jesus stuff is not going to be for wimps any longer. Got it? This, this following Jesus that we talk about every Sunday, it, it's not going to be easy any longer. It's not going to be for wimps. Why? Because there's going to be an increasingly higher cost to pay if you choose to stand up and live for Jesus and His words. Tough times are ahead. Warning. Uh, Jesus, in the passage we're going to look at today, is preparing his disciples for the bad times that are coming. Uh, he's saying, you know, there's going to be storms that are going to take dead aim at you who live for me, who love me, and I want to tell you these things so you can get prepared. And here's what you need to understand. Uh, he's talking to his 12 disciples but he's also talking to us. All disciples, followers of Jesus, till he comes back and sets up his kingdom, that's who he's talking to today. Give you a little background, then we'll jump in. This is the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Okay? He, he's, he's just in a day or two going to go to the cross. He's already entered Jerusalem on a colt last Sunday. In, in this time frame, the crowds are going wild, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, the promised King. Luke chapter 19, Jesus has already cleared the temple. He's already went in and flipped over the tables, infuriating the Jewish leaders. Why? Because he was messing with their turf. And now they're angry. Chapter 20, they try to... Uh, uh, trap Jesus with their tricky questions, but to use boxing terminology, they don't even land a glove on him. It's not even close. They're giving him their very best, hardest questions, and he answers with, with such wisdom and grace they never touch him. Now Jesus is headed back to Mary and Martha's house, and now Lazarus is with them too. 
because he's alive. And they're going to Bethany, two to three miles out of Jerusalem, and they're going to go spend the night. That's where they've been spending the night. That's headquarters. And then one of the disciples, while they're walking back to Mary and Martha's house, looks up at the Jewish temple, and he's just in awe. Wow! Look at that temple, Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it awesome? And that's the context for what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Looks at one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and, and they are just dazzled by its brilliance. And then Jesus responds. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read in Luke chapter 21. We'll start with verse 5, and we'll read down through verse 19. Here we go. Let's read. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're grateful that uh, you care enough about us as your followers that you warn us clearly about the danger and the trouble ahead. Lord, I pray that you would help us as your church to get prepared for the storms that seem to be gathering on the horizon and headed our way in your church in the United States. Lord, it seems that the cost of following you is about to increase. Lord, may we personally get prepared to pay the price. Whatever that means, Lord, Uh, as we remember that you paid the ultimate price for each and every one of us when you took our place on the cross, when you shed your blood for our sin problem. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit 
the same spirit that inspired Dr. Luke to write these words down, the very same spirit that empowered Jesus to arise from the dead. I'm asking that that very same spirit would be welcomed here by each and every one of us. Come and meet us, and uh, may the power of your word and the power of your spirit change us from the inside out. And we ask all of this in the awesome name of your son Jesus and all the church at Walloon said with one voice. You may be seated. Herod's temple. Herod's temple, Daniel. There we go. Uh, uh, this was uh, not Solomon's temple. Solomon back uh, in the Old Testament built an amazing, awesome temple, the first temple. But that was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. This structure um, was rebuilt by Ezra and then Herod the Great to get on the good side of the Jews. Uh, he did this massive reconstruction project that lasted over 50 years. Can you imagine? Working on it over 50 years, literally in today's dollar, uh, scholars estimate billions and billions of dollars to expand and to glorify and beautify the temple. Um, the temple was not just one building. The temple was uh, a majestic mixture, slide two, Daniel, of staircases and porches and colonnades and courts. Uh, you, you can see it was just amazing. And it had long rows of pillars um, with a sidewalk in between, slide three, Daniel. Uh, the pillars were made of marble, 40 feet tall, uh, 160 columns stretching longer than a football field. Uh, we're, we're talking amazing stuff. There was massive doors that were uh, gold-plated. Uh, you can just imagine looking at that, that kind of a door and saying, whoa, uh, entrance into the temple itself. Uh, the gates were silver-plated, um, gold-covered as well. The entire temple area glistened, literally glistened. Josephus, the Jewish historian, he said this, the, the temple had so much gold and silver plating that when you looked at it, when the sun was shining, it flashed, and it looked just like a snow-covered mountain. Um, Herod's temple on the Temple Mount was impressive. It was one of the most impressive uh, buildings in the entire world, one of the seven ancient wonders of the ancient world. And, and it's understandable why the disciples would be very impressed and in awe of the outward beauty of the temple. Okay? Uh, verse 5. Uh, some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. Jesus, can you believe what an amazing job King Herod has done remodeling this place? Jesus, isn't this awesome? Aren't we, aren't we very fortunate to live at this time that we can get to enjoy this amazing structure? 
Verse 6, here's Jesus' response. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them are going to be thrown down. Okay? So, so they're, they're very proud. They're very impressed. Isn't this temple amazing? And Jesus says, verse 6, the temple is just temporary. <laughs> you guys are really impressed, but I just want you to know the buildings you see, the porches, the pillars, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be destroyed. Uh, history headlines tell us that on August 4th, 70 A.D., next slide, Daniel, uh, we suddenly are going to see this amazing structure on fire. Okay? About 40 years after Jesus said these words, had this conversation with the disciples, it's going to be gone. Uh, there was a Roman general by the name of Titus, um, and he led the charge. The Romans had their belly full of Jewish rebellion and revolt. So now in 70 A.D. under General Titus here, um, they completely marched into Jerusalem and uh, completely destroyed and utterly uh, just wiped out not only the temple, but also the city of Jerusalem. And to this day, the city has never been rebuilt. Um, next slide, Dan. The only thing that's left today, uh, if you were to go, you see where the, the spotlight is? Uh, a few of the foundation stones remain today, like they're either the bottom stones or even those that would have been underground remain. And that little spotlight there, uh, that's what we would call the Wailing Wall today. That's where that was located. A few of the very bottom foundation stones that today is the most sacred place in Israel for the Jews. Why? Because that's where the temple stood. That, that's where the place where God met them really was. And they just have a few of the very bottom stones left today. Um, quick application. If we're not careful, if, if we're not careful, we'll say, make the very same mistake that the disciples were making uh, back in their day. And they were so impressed with their buildings, they forgot that, no, no, it's not really about buildings, it's about Jehovah God. Listen close. And if we're not careful, we start thinking that church is our building as well. Have you ever heard people say, we're going to church? And I get what they're saying. That's where the church meets, right? But where is church? Point to where church really is. It's here, and it's in you. Church is people. It's not buildings, okay? Church is not buildings. It's people. Uh, the building is where the church meets. But the church of Jesus Christ is never buildings, it's always people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 says it pretty clearly. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Um, got another slide there, Dan. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple? 
Okay, so let me just say it quickly. The temple of God today is the church, and the church is followers of Jesus Christ, the body. We are literally mobile temples, and everywhere you and I go, everywhere, every day, our job is to reflect the reality of Jesus to a watching world. You understand? We're mobile temples. We move. It was stuck there in Jerusalem, and it was a building, and this building, it's nice. We're blessed. I'm glad we have a nice place to meet, but this is not church. We the body of Christ, you and I, who know Jesus, who come together as the family of God. We are the temple of God. So, when the disciples hear that the temple is going to be destroyed, they've got two questions. Look at verse 7. Here you go. Here's the questions. Teacher, they asked, uh, when will these things happen? And uh, what will be the sign that they're about to take place? First question. When is this going to happen, Jesus? Give us the date. We can mark it down on our calendars. Second question, what are the signs that will show us that these things are about to take place? Jesus answers the second question first. Okay? He's going to tell them, these are the signs that you should be looking for. Uh, you'll know that when these things happen, um, then soon I'm going to return and set up my kingdom. It seems that most of them thought Jesus was going to just quickly come right back and maybe next week set up his literal uh, worldly forever kingdom here on earth. And, and obviously they were wrong. Um, here we go, verses 8 and 9. Here's Jesus' answer to them. Uh, Jesus replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I'm he, I'm the Messiah, the time is here, Here's what Jesus says. What? Do not follow them. When you hear wars and uprisings, don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Verse 8. A lot of fakes, a lot of frauds, a lot of Jesus wannabes have appeared down through the centuries. And Jesus is saying, prepare, expect it, and don't listen and don't follow them. Verse 9. Lots of wars and horrible events are going to happen. But then look what it says, verse 9. Look at your Bible. But the end will not come right away. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to be a while before I return and set up the new kingdom here on earth. It's going to be some time, and we know it's been some time, right? It's been like... 2,000 years. So he's saying, hang in there, followers of me. Hang in there, church. Don't be frightened. Be prepared, because following me is not going to be easy. Get prepared for the tough times that are coming your way. And he's talking to the 12. Give me your eyes. And he's talking to us. This following Jesus stuff is not going to be for wimps. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There are going to be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, fearful events, great signs from, from heaven. Uh, every time you hear of an earthquake, every time you are aware of a famine and people are starving to death, 
Every time you hear of a, a new deadly disease, and we seem to hear about a new deadly disease almost monthly, remember, Jesus says, that you're moving slowly and closer to my returning and setting up my kingdom. So, so let those bad things be a reminder. You're just getting closer and closer to my return. And now Jesus is going to get real personal about the trouble ahead. Verse 12. But before all this, before I return, before I set up my kingdom, here's what's going to happen. They're going to seize you and persecute you. They're going to hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and on account of my name, so you'll bear testimony to me. And, and I'm telling you, that about two months from the words that Jesus spoke here, those things started happening in the book of Acts. Trouble came. They started getting arrested. Uh, James was executed. Stephen was stoned. I mean, bad stuff was just around the corner. But make up your mind, verse 14, not to worry beforehand how you're going to defend yourself. I'll give you the words. I'll give you the wisdom. None of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends. And if that's not bad enough, they're even going to put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you'll win life. You like that for a recruiting poster to follow Jesus? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step right up. Uh, yeah. Persecution, betrayal, hatred. Some of you are going to get killed. Hang in there, uh, but be prepared for it. It's going to be really bad. Uh, I just want you to understand. Yes, he's talking to his twelve. Yes, he's talking to the early church. But he's talking to the church down through the ages, down through the centuries. He's talking to us. Do you understand? He, he's warning us. He's saying, plan, prepare. The cost is going to be high if you choose to follow and live for me. If you stand firm for me, the people around you are not going to like it. Uh, this following Jesus stuff is not for who? It's not for wimps, no. Now, if you read on, much of the rest of the chapter is talking about the signs just before uh, the kingdom gets set, set up and the tribulation and what we would call the millennium. But you know, we spent an entire year last year, Book of Revelation. So if you want to get the tapes, Jody will make you up the tapes. Uh, that would be marvelous. But we went through all of that. Uh, this challenge up to verse 19, give me your eyes, is for today. Prepare. Get, get, get planned and ready. This is serious business because following me is going to be really hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. Now, I am not a prophet. Can I get an amen? Put your stones away. Uh, I, I do not want to... Uh, have to meet the requirements of being a prophet, but you'd have to be living under a rock not to notice that times are a-changing in the United States today, okay? So uh, when Jesus is challenging and, and saying, I'm warning you, get prepared, 
He's talking to us. He's talking to the church down through the ages all throughout his created world. I quote uh, a blog recently by Southwest Seminary President Al Mohler. Listen closely. The moral revolutionaries have presented their demands and they want absolute surrender. With the liberals firmly in control of almost every power base, the media, the universities, the school systems, Hollywood, the courts, most importantly, the federal courts, there is now no reason for liberals to play defense. Quoting Harvard Law professor Mark Tushnet, followers of Jesus, he calls us evangelicals. Here's what he says. You lost. Now deal with it. The culture wars are over. You lost, he shouts. We won. He calls for moral conservatives to be treated like Germany and Japan at the conclusion of World War II. <laughs> he, he, uh, he yells, opponents of the current moral revolution are to be treated with scorn and contempt and worse. The war is over. You lost. We won. Now, for centuries, the Christian church has been the center of Western civilization, okay? Western culture, government, law, was based explicitly on Christian and biblical principles. But when God is dead in a society, anything is permissible. You might want to write that down. When God is dead in a society, anything is permissible. So the church and the Bible is being quickly replaced by secularism, which means there are no moral absolutes. There is no right or wrong. Uh, what you thought was right or wrong, we're redefining it, and what was once right is now wrong, and what was formerly wrong, we're calling it right. That's what we get to do because we won. Um, the very notion of uh, having anything that's biblical or a principle as being a guiding uh, light for us. Th those days are quickly ending. About 10 years ago, I was in Florida, watching the news in the morning. They uh, said, there's a line of thunderstorms coming across northern Florida. Okay. Early afternoon, uh, I noticed the clouds were darkening up. Clicked the TV back on. Same weatherman said, uh, yep. Conditions are right for severe storms and high winds. Uh, about an hour later, I'm noticing the clouds are getting darker. I go click the TV back on. Same guy says, Doppler radar has spotted funnel clouds west of where we were at, and now there's a tornado warning a few counties away from us. We were now under a tornado watch. Be prepared. Watch out. About an hour later, same weatherman now says, our county, uh, the Doppler has spotted tornado funnel clouds in our area. Seek shelter. He, he, he kind of like shouted, now. Uh, 20 minutes later, we're huddled under the stairs. Uh, TV, I've got it cranked all the way so we can keep listening. Uh, the weatherman then says funnel clouds have been spotted, and he shouts out our very little community of maybe like 2,000. He calls our 
little town out and says, uh, there's funnel clouds right over you. So we got the pillows and we're, we're uh, you know, trying to cushion the blow in case the house falls and we're praying like crazy. Uh, anyway, I'm still here. The storm passed. Uh, we didn't catch a direct hit, but we go out and there's uh, power lines down, there's trees down, and word came that uh, about three miles away, uh, a mobile home park got hit. Three people died, not very far away. Um, here's my point. Storms are coming our way, church. Um, I, I wish I didn't have to tell you that, but I really believe that just as Jesus warned in Luke chapter 21 to expect trouble, to plan on it, um, I'm telling you, uh, a tornado watch and a tornado warning have now been issued for Walloon Lake uh, for all, I believe, followers of Jesus in the United States. And the storms are dangerous and they're serious. Take measures. Get prepared. Okay? Let me, let me give you a few um, ways that we should get prepared. If you're taking notes, this is your time to write things down. Uh, first of all, followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to learn how to be a biblical minority. We've had the advantage for 100 years or more in our country, we've kind of been the majority the silent majority. And we kind of were, were the ones who got listened to. We've been spoiled. Um, and, and I understand there was a lot of advantages, but we're going to be like the churches in Corinth and Ephesus and Rome in the New Testament. And in case you didn't know, they were a minority. And they needed to learn how to live Jesus out as the minority. And, and it seems that's something we're going to have to learn as well. Second, the challenge is going to be not to compromise our convictions. The challenge is going to be, okay, um, here's where society is going, and the easy thing to do is to just slide with them, and now suddenly we're right with them, and now I don't have to stand alone and face the consequences. Make sense? The temptation will be to duck and dodge and play fast and loose with God's Word. Why? Because to stand firm and not move will cost us. Uh, people will ridicule, Jesus said. They will hate us. They will call us names. Bosses may choose to punish us and maybe even fire us. Judges may order us to keep quiet and not speak up or you'll go to jail. Can I just say something? This following Jesus stuff is not going to be for wimps. Now, the main thing is going to be to keep the main thing what? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to figure out what are the main things that we cannot move, we cannot compromise on, and stand on those as our biblical convictions, realizing there very well may be a price to pay. Third, the early church would not have survived without their brothers and sisters in Christ. You see here, oh, I've got a few friends and it's kind of nice and I go when it's easy and convenient. Uh, no, back in the early church when they were under attack and under pressure, 
Being a part of the family, that was not an option. That was essential. They wouldn't have survived. You know, being active and connected in the body was an absolute necessity in the early church. And I would argue the same is going to be true coming real fast. So, so here's what I would like to suggest. Quit treating church like an option. Oh, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to sleep in today. Oh, we got company. They don't really want to go to church. Let's, we'll, we'll go next week. You know, uh, it's a really nice day to get out and boat. It's, you know, let's go kayaking. Let's go walking. Let's go mushroom hunting. Let's go this, that. Give me your eyes. I'm just telling you, the day is coming where body life, connections, your family in Jesus Christ, it's not going to be just like a nice extra. It's going to be absolutely essential. So you might as well start getting connected right now because the storms are just on the horizon, I'm telling you. Um, fourth, um, this is kind of just a practical thing. If you're like major league debt, if you like old massive credit cards and you just got a lot of outstanding bills, can I just say, it just makes sense if the storm is coming, it's time to get out of debt. Take Financial Peace University. Uh, why? Because societies where God is dead historically are on the verge of collapse. Okay? I'm just telling you, based on history, when, when God is thrown out of a culture, typically that culture is right on the verge of collapse. So, so you might want to get your ducks in order financially. If you're still a baby spiritually, or maybe you're still in kindergarten or fourth grade, track with me, it might be time for you to say, you know what, uh, been coasting, it's been okay, now might be time for me to go another level in my relationship with Christ. Might be time to take Myron's uh, Bible class. It might be time for me to step up and commit to Bob's uh, seminary class. And pa parents and grandparents, if you're going to raise a child in a culture where Jesus is rejected, then you better really be on your toes with your children and your grandchildren. You, you better doubly, triply commit to, to doing everything you can to make sure they know Christ, they know how to feed themselves, they know what they believe, they're ready to stand firm in the midst of trouble. I close with some good news and some bad news. I'll give you the bad news first, okay? Uh, the true biblical church, the body of Christ in the United States, I believe our days of being admired and welcomed and, and we're just a big part of the majority are quickly coming to an end. Refuse to compromise on your convictions. Get prepared. If the moral tornado is coming and now you've had some warning from Jesus, from his word, why wouldn't you prepare? Get prepared. Here's the good news. Down through church history, give me your eyes, the church has been its most powerful and its most pure when it's under pressure and attack. So from a church perspective, actually, it probably is going to be a good thing because the tears and the lukewarm and the cultural Christians, when it costs, when there's a price to be paid because you're standing firmly on Jesus and God's word, where do they go? We go. We go. We're out of here. 
okay? Because as uh, the culture of no God, no morals continues to grow, um, the cost will go up, and, and many of them will just run for the hills, okay? Um, light shines brightest as our country grows darker and darker morally, spiritually, okay? Be warned, uh, hard days are on the horizon, be encouraged, our best and most effective days are on the horizon. You know what? Um, it's not going to be easy to follow Jesus any longer. It's, it's, it's really not going to be for wimps anymore. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for caring enough about us that you very honestly and frankly and bluntly warn us about what's coming our way. And I want to pray specifically for my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ here in the church at Walloon. Lord, might we take your warning seriously. Might we recognize that it's serious business when attack and pressure is coming our way. Lord, might we do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get ready for the coming storm. We pray all of these things in the amazing and awesome name of your son, Jesus. Amen.